Hello and welcome to another episode of Checkpoint, the podcast highlighting and telling the stories of influential leaders in and around the sports industry. Today, we're excited to welcome our next guest, Shika Ubero Bajpoy, to the show. Hope I got that right. Uh, Shika is a former professional tennis player who is now an impact entrepreneur who is passionate about female empowerment through sports and entrepreneurship. Shika has a list of accomplishments a mile long on the tennis courts, which she will serve up to you as she takes us through her journey from Mumbai, India to Princeton, New Jersey, and then on to the WTA, where she would become the number one player coming out of India. Shika has since hung up her tennis shoes and has found unique and innovative ways to leverage her experiences from the tennis court to make an impact in the world. She went on to finish her degree at Princeton University and took her dream and made it a reality when she launched her media company in 2013, going on to become the Oprah Chopra of the entertainment world. She is now the president of Indie.com, which is a platform enabling all people to monetize their individuality and unique experiences. Sheikah currently lives out in Irvine, California with her family, but she is here with us on Checkpoint for the next 45 minutes. Shika, welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning? Well, after that fantastic warm-up and introduction, I'm super this morning. Thank you. Oh, man, we are so excited to have you on the show. You have done so much in your career that uh, I don't know if 45 minutes is going to be enough. But um, for all you first-time listeners tuning in, we are going to take the next 45 minutes um, and unpack Sheikah's story. So coming from India, you know, the rise of her tennis career, the transition into her professional career, and the basic on all that experience, where she sees things going um, as we embark on this crazy future. So, um, Shika, without any further ado, it is time to jump into your story. So let's go back to Mumbai, India, where you were born, and tell the listeners how you ended up becoming the woman you are today. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, I have 45 <laughs> minutes to do that. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, so cool. I'll get right into it. So I was born in Mumbai, India. Um, raised there for a bit, played tennis there for the first time in my life. And we did this thing where my father was setting up a company, being the entrepreneur, right, which comes into my life a little bit later, and expanded his operations to the U.S. and was going back and forth between the two countries. And I got to go along with him, obviously, as a little munchkin. And growing up between these two worlds has been really important for my upbringing, my perspective understanding you can have your cake and eat it too, having dual and multiple identities, and uh, really feeling like a citizen of the world. I think all of that has been, uh, has left an indelible impression on my perspective. Um, so taking that onto the, the, the professional circuit, obviously with a whole bunch of training in Florida and the tennis academies and uh, then going, you know, to a private coach and then doing a freshman year at Princeton and then leaving for a decade to play on the WTA tour, um, which was an incredible experience. Lots of ups and downs. I got to share that experience with my sister, Neha. Uh, we, we had a lot of fun, a lot of goofy laughs uh, together, both on the court and off the court. Um, and we'll, we'll always have that together, you know, my sister, Neha and I. And then... Um, retired, semi-retired, you know, there's always that fun part of transitioning out of a, something you love and moving and finding a new career. Uh, in that process, I went back to Princeton, finished my undergraduate degree and um, uh, at, a, at a ripe age and yep. <laughs> went, went straight to India to launch my, uh, my company, Impact Media, 
where I was also introduced to indie and um, fallen in love with, with indie and really excited about um, serving as the president of the organization, breathing social entrepreneurship into it and empowering every individual to monetize their passions, their skill sets and their expertise in every way possible, especially during COVID where we all need some more cash, right? Right. So, yeah. That's, well, that's, the wor- yeah. No, I was just going to say, you know, the world is changing. And I mean, you have gone through multiple iterations of highs and lows. And, you know, you know, when we talk for the first time, you know, embracing those changes, right, and embracing yeah. the the continuum of the career, I think, is something that, you know, um, we share on the journey. And so um, one of the things that we talk about with all of our successful influencers that come on is perspective and travel. And so I'm really curious, um, you know, if you could take us back, what it was like being a, a woman tennis player in India and then coming over to the U.S., you know, what kind of strain did that put on you and your family, um, you know, in order for that dream to become a reality? Sure. And, you know, I'm going to take that question more from a perspective of a one and a half generation, because I did grow up between the two, right, between the two countries. Um, and it's a very different experience if one comes, you know, at an older age to the U.S. and back and forth. But I was around six years old, so I was younger and I had my first experiences here, not as a baby, but in, as a young child. Right. And so you. I'm able to identify as American also as a result of that. However, growing up, or with that rather, growing up as a uh, as an immigrant or a daughter of an immigrant, however you want to perceive that, you carry that force that immigrants have and they bring into this country, right? We're all immigrants in this country at some point or the other, um, except yeah. Native Americans. Right? <laughs> And, and that is what's built this country to greatness, right? Because there's so much hope and this desire to offer what we can and build what we envision for this country. So like believing is seeing has brought into this country when we arrive, you know, be it at Ellis Island or be it, you know, straight into Newark, New Jersey, you know, however yeah. you show up, it's, it, it, it comes with that, that force, right? And um, what that meant for me was carrying the responsibility of my heritage, not only preserving that, but sharing that to America and with America, imbibing what America's greatness is all about and marrying the two into a person, right? Into all four of my sisters, so the five of us, right? And I think because we have fantastic parents and I won a parent lottery, we were able to strike that balance of confidence in feeling both proud to be American and Indian, our heritage, and marrying them well together. Um, and how that re- that affected me on, on the court was I could see there is, a, there is a difference in confidence level then when I was coming up, you know, with Indians who, who didn't get to travel as much, who didn't get to see, hey, you know, I can beat American players, or I can beat British players, just because I'm Indian doesn't make me less, right? And that was a that was interesting for me to see. I had that perspective. I would say, this Indian player is better. What's going on here? Yes, there's lack of infrastructure and resources, but still this player could have done better, right? But I would see that change as globalization and social media and YouTube. And I mean, I'm speaking through media and content here, really got into the hands of every Indian also where they felt like, wait a minute, we can contend. 
you know, Shika got to top 100 on the WTA tour. Saina Noel can be number one. Saina Noel in badminton can, you know, win us bronze medal. And, you know, you see this rise and so much of a country's economic growth and just kind of coming to age also is represented in sport. Like you see that so much. It's the first thing I look at when I'm watching countries as they evolve, like how are their sports doing, right? How are their women in sports doing? That is the real question wow. is where, where you really know um, who's feeling good about themselves, right? So wow. to, to be a part of that and to kind of help move that forward is a huge honor, right? Like it's just a tremendous honor. And when I'm playing, you don't really realize that you kind of know there's a responsibility, there's tons of Indian women, there's my family, there's all of India, there's America. You see that, you don't really like let it weigh you down or anything, you just kind of use it to propel you forward. But then academically you study that and see that and you see, my gosh, there's so much power behind having that responsibility. And cool, I got to you know add a nice little drop to that bucket and, and possibly help people. Wow. That's what it's all about, right? Is like using and leveraging your experience to make this journey 1% better for the next person that's coming through it. And I think you embody that in every sense of the word or, or the phrase. And, and so, you know, I mean, it's interesting hearing sort of that, that dual citizen approach there. I mean, especially as when we think about America, everyone has a different version of what that dream looks like. And I think the correlation of sport to a country, especially female sport to a country is really powerful. Um, and I think it's something that's often overlooked. And, yeah. and I'm curious for you, you know, when we talk to people that have made it to the top of their game, um, you mentioned your, you won the parent lottery, um, but there's coaches, there's mentors that stick out. And, you know, listening to some of your earlier work, I know you talk about your father um, and this championship mentality that you had from such a young age. How do you think that you know, having your dad as a role model there helped shape the journey that you went on through your tennis career. You know, it's almost is the journey I went on through my tennis career because he's <laughs> such, <powerful, laughs> such a powerful personality and a figure and is so like personable with everybody and like, you know, shows up like my girls can have this too. Come on, you know, there's never ever was a doubt there wasn't ever, okay, well, you're Indian, so we never, you know, there was none of that. And and we didn't feel that, right? We were just like, oh, cool. You know, you don't realize till after the fact, like, oh, I think there might have been some prejudice here or there, or, oh, okay, now I get it because, like, yeah, that didn't happen to me, but it happened to other people. Oh, or this did happen to me, but it didn't happen to anybody else. But he never, we didn't, he didn't even care about that. He's like, you're above that. like come on, like get in here. This is America. Grab the whole thing and let's take it all the way. You know, that's how he is. And so, you know, when you're a little girl or five of us, you know, we're, the, we're walking on his path, you know, he's like paving it for us. Everything he did and does is for us, it, you know? So I, I mean, it's just a magnanimous person and you just kind of like, thanks. You basically gave me a head start in everything because you came to this country with eight bucks and did your best. And um, now we get to kind of roll on through, you know, drive on an easier path because of you. So that's why I'm totally okay. But <laughs> 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 you know, walking down his path because, because of his effort and my mother's effort and, and going through um, coming here and really 
making the best of America and the bringing the best of India into their world, we got a head start, right? Like we come from privilege as a result of that. So I'm, I'm forever grateful and- um, Really cool. Yeah. Really cool. And, and we share that, right? You know, I mean, having that role model or having, you know, that guiding light, that North Star, I mean, my father served that in my life and um, it's incredible. And, and I think, you know, when you start to climb the ranks as an athlete, you realize, and which you alluded to earlier, a lot of people have the talent, but what separates the good from the great and the great from the number ones yeah. is what sits between the six inches of your ears, right? And so you had this mentality of a champion and, you know, it seems like all of that energy was focused into tennis, right? So I want to stick there um, because then we'll talk about the transition out of tennis here where, you know, sort of that mentality can be, there's two sides to that coin where right. a positive can be a perceived negative down the road. But, yeah. you know, so, so so let's go down the tennis route here because it's, yeah. you're very humble when talking about the number one woman tennis player coming out of India, you know, cracking the WTA 100 what was that journey like? Because we see the glitz and glamour of it, but take me behind the scenes of, you know, from leaving the family to going down to Florida, let's start there. And then your rise up to the ranks in, in the WTA. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, championship culture, my father, like bringing that up throughout our whole lifestyles from, we, from the time we went, woke up in the morning to the time we went to bed, it was just all around this higher purpose right and the higher purpose behind that objective of being number one in the world which is you know i think you know i can answer your question kind of backwards if that's okay when you Please. say you know yeah when you say number one in india or top 100 in the world that is a number that i have come to accept and and this is this is the thing like because we're real, we're all athletes here, we, we understand what that is. I think for the general population, that's like a really nice number. I think that's that's an amazing thing. That's you know something cool you can say on your LinkedIn. It's, it's not something I lean into first or it's something I talk about first because it's not something I wanted. I wanted to be number one. There was 99 spots um, <laughs> left over for me to accomplish, more, more than that, right? Um, and a lot more titles to have be to have won. There was a lot more that I that I expected of myself that we built for right to get there. So when you look at it that way, you realize like how much of untraining of the word failure you have to do. Like oh, I failed because I didn't get to number one. And everybody's like, when I mean by everybody, I mean like professional therapists and like people that come to tell you like okay. When you transition out of the tennis world, like being top 100 in something in the entire world is kind of a big deal, you know, like, oh, is it? Well, you know, I don't care because that's not what I wanted. That's not what I worked for. That's not what I was supposed to have done, right? Wow. So this is the other part of championship culture <laughs> that you talk about is that you have to find a way to keep things in perspective and balance, right? Where, yes, within the confines of the home, there is this number one all or nothing mentality, but there needs to be balanced with the perspective of the rest of reality where look at this massive planet we live on and you are top 100 
in the entire world in something. Feel good about that and use that to get to the other 99, you know, <laughs> versus yeah. why aren't you there yet, right? These are the things that, you know, if my father might have been a professional athlete, he might have understood, right? But coming from India, it's like you're a professional engineer <laughs> or a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so this is something I can give or to my children, nieces, nephews, what you know, all my cousins' children, all of them, and 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 share that forward. As you said, life is about making things easier. Um, I feel like I've gotten a little sidetracked and and not answered. No, them. no, okay. this is this is gold. I I mean. This is the this is the content that we're going after, Sheikah, because we only hear about the championship mentality when it's good, right? Yeah. We don't ever really get to hear on the ESPNs or you know the the news networks where it's like, wow, this person should be celebrating all their accomplishments when internally it's like, guys, please stop talking because I am not content, I am not happy, this is not where I want to be. Right. And so I'm I'm really curious, how do you handle those two? Like as you're going through it, where people are giving you a ton of praise and you're getting accomplishment, but really inside the goal hasn't been met. How do you handle that back and forth volley in your own head? There? Uh, wow, that's a great question. When I was finishing off, it was kind of like this battle of like, don't accept it because that's accepting defeat, right? Don't accept the compliments like, oh, thank you. You know, one of those fake like, oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, like <laughs> and just move on kind of a thing, because that's a form of accepting you failed. Like now society knows that, right? But they, these guys and these people are just like, wow, you know, like that's amazing. And I, and I, it's almost like it just can't, the compliment cannot penetrate at all. Like it's just blocked off. And that also has a really sad component to it because I mean, you could just hear it. I mean, somebody's complimenting, you can't register it, right? Like you're, you've trained yourself to block that off. And it's just become a, like a thick layer of skin around you that just like bounces off like rubber and you can't even look at it. It it, it took like drilling and, and learning how to have close personal friendships <laughs> with people to really like have somebody else get into your head when you have such a myopic view of the world and you're just tennis and like be number one and you don't have time for friends and just read Harry Potter and journal and that's it. You know, <laughs> this is what yeah. you do all day long. <laughs> you know, you don't have opportunity for other exposure and other thought processes and even when you're in I was in college my freshman year I was just studying you know like I'm number one in that and like you know it was just you, you kind of close off as a result and so you don't know how to even accept another thought process or um, an, a compliment and that took a lot of work to undo um, today it's definitely a lot better but here's how I kind of I think I'm still doing it I don't know I mean we could we could break this apart with a psychoanalyst, but <laughs> yeah. I think what's happening is, is that I'm like, cool, tennis, great. I got what I needed from it. I gave what I could to it. Fantastic opportunity, beautiful game. Thank you. It's a platform and it's a means to an end, right? Now I can build from this. Here's what I can do for back for the game, for the players, and then carry my life on forward as a result. Take the values of everything I've, I've put and translate them into entrepreneurship, translate them into social impact. How do we do that, right? And that is my own journey, my own narrative, paved off of the path, taking a left now on my own path, not just my father's or our family path, 
taking that left, right? And and walking on my own step by step and creating my own path. That is the whole point of playing a professional sport to learn courage to do that on your own, right? That's the footsteps my father took to build his own path. So it's almost like a responsibility to do that on my own too. Uh, so today, what I like people saying or what really makes me feel like, oh my God, this is how I'm supposed to feel when somebody says something about my tennis. Is, I watched your show, The Real Deal, and I thought that was incredible. I watched one or two episodes or I watched every single episode. I'm just like overflowing with giddiness. You know, I'm like, yes, oh my God, you watched my show. Thank you so much. And I've been able to learn that feeling and take that into, hey, Shika, you know, we used to support you when we played tennis. And it's just like giant hug. I didn't see you out there in the crowds. I didn't know to look for you. But thank you because your support means something to me today, right? And I, I didn't know to, like, embrace that, right? I was just on a mission. And, and, and to where I, lo I love the fans. I always did. But to feel that they're genuinely proud of me and want me because I was like, I'm not proud of myself yet. I gotta be number one in the world to ever have that feeling, right? So I could, I can, but I can still feel that and take that now because I had that experience with the real deal. And so now with the real deal, then I go backwards a little bit with, okay, get it now how the tennis should approach. I should approach the tennis. And then now kind of stepping in and serving as the president of this organization of Indy and being recognized for putting it all together right well building the plane in the air right because of yeah. the, you know you, you, you as an entrepreneur you're building the plane in the air all the time putting that all together is really what makes me feel like good you know like that quiet kind of confidence like thank you yeah you know this is life's going well i'm putting it together you know Wow. That's what it. That's where I am right now with with all that. So I have to go backwards a few times, go forward, do something to the side, to the left, kind of get it to make it all come together. I, I hope that makes sense. Oh, Shika, it makes so much sense. And you know, I think what the listeners will get from this, and what I got from that, was we talk about so much perspective, right? Travel to get perspective or go down an adventure or a path and take that perspective and and leverage it for something you're doing in the future. I think what people don't always understand is that this is a marathon. And so some of those perspective buildings, we we think that that is the end of the race when really right. that's just mile three or four preparing you for the next leg of the race. And what you were just able to articulate was almost tangible there where it was like tennis and the process of tennis um, that dichotomy, there is no balance to be number one, but you going through that experience now let you introspectively reflect back on it and shape and carve the path out, which I think is the goal of every athlete or should be that professional athletics is not the end destination. It is just where I'm going at this phase. And how do I take that experience and help pay for the rest of my journey? And, and, you may have just explained that in the best way that I've heard to date. It was almost tangible where I could touch it. So, so kudos to that. Now, again, it's not all glitz and glamour there, right? So I'm really curious. I want to, I want to go and dive in a little bit on okay. the, the hard stuff that we don't talk about that really helped you as you took on the media venture. So we're mm -hmm. going to go back to El Paso, Texas. You've Whoa. gone, 
you've gone, you've done a bunch of stuff. You've had, you know, number two, uh, or you took home a gold medal or excuse me, a silver medal in the Asia games. You've played in grand slams. Then you get to El Paso. It's hot. And you think the career is winding down. How do you as a person come to reality with that? And what does that transition journey start to look like? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because that match, I, it's, I won't, I, I remember that match so well, you know, like, it's just like, it's just so much like irritation and like agitation and just playing with like, I don't know how to articulate this. But I think I just want to be done. Like, this is so not where I want to be. You know, I just, it's not like I wanted to flee or leave the court. It was just like, please somebody help me get into a happy place like right here right now like something i was grasping for motivation like in that match and i even remember because i was already speaking to my coach about all these things i was up late i was like sorry coach i was up late because i was journaling you know my ideas for these shows and he was like what <laughs> okay you know and I, <laughs> I was like waking up early to do write them and all these ideas and uh, and i was like coach you know we got i got this really cool campaign it's called I'm hot. I'm helping others today. Let's, I'm going to write it on my wristband. Let's print them out. I'll save some money and you know we'll print some of these out and I'll share them with the, the players on the tour and we start this movement. You know, this is like just ideas. You don't know how to do any of that, but I, I mean, you just try. Right. And so I used to write it on my wristbands and like, you know, ideate on that. And he was like, he was literally in that match. Like you're helping others today, you know, like trying to like, wake me up because I was just like moping around and I was like irritated and and I was just like great shot like being sarcastic you know it was just so unprofessional and I was like asking the umpire if he needed a snack because he's missing line calls and like blood sugar too low like very snarky like you know just not me you know it's disrespectful yeah. to the game to everybody on the court to everybody probably watching you know it's terrible and he was just like uh how about like last straw like maybe this is gonna help you out and i was like sure you know i literally was like how is me playing tennis helping others today you know like i literally just talked him over the fence like this is so dumb you know like what am i doing and so that match and the heat and just kind of being there i was like i think this is not what i need to be doing right now to get the fulfillment i need I think I won the doubles that <laughs> that tournament, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, so that's that's always difficult. Where it's just like, well, I'm winning still, or it's winning for me. I don't know what's happening. I don't even want to be here, but it's working. <laughs> so what do you do? So that makes things a little bit harder. But that was an important match um, where I said I'm I'm having a lot of fun in my day journaling this concepts of TV shows. And then at that time, Oprah had put out this call to like, hey, have your own show. It was like a marketing campaign for Hearst or, uh, you know, for um, her her uh, um, whole like, you know, brand. And I, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have a chance here, right? Like it became all about, I'm going to meet Oprah Winfrey. And I'm gonna tell her about social impact television shows, right? I didn't even have that part like constructed because I didn't know like what I was going to be doing. But I was like, I need to get there. So I just became obsessed. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I practiced. Sure. Okay. And then just like here, like all day long, just sitting on my like little baby laptop, you know, like 
just going crazy on that. And that's where I realized, like, I think I'm just kind of walking on the treadmill here and going through the motions. I need to get back to college, right? I have to mm -hmm. get back to college. And it was more the motivation of wanting to be Oprah Chopra, like the Oprah of India, to launch television shows that get people excited about social change, to inspire people when they watch television and not just kind of lose their minds in it. That was what motivated me to go to college, not that I don't know what to do with myself, right? I'm done with tennis. I didn't want to go back to Princeton University on like, now what? You know, it was more, I've got this goal. This is my purpose. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to get it done. So that going onto campus like that allowed me to there become a champion. Because there is where I understood who the rest of me is. I went overboard taking six classes and auditing more and like running for president of UGC. I mean, you know, the undergraduate council at USC um, or wait, what is it? The under undergraduate student body basically. Right. And then sure. like, leading all these other groups and like getting involved in like all the things I didn't know I was passionate about. So it was literally me like wrapping my arms right around the entire campus and it like hugging me back. Right. So you can imagine how, much fun that was from an academic experience from just like Shika express yourself here and then also make A's, you know, <laughs> so you can yeah. like get it all in, you know, and met some phenomenal people, you know, like these kids, they're not kids, but I was so much older than them, but they're like, you know, in 18, 19, we became pals, like we were friends because my emotional growth was so stunted that I was right on time with them. You know, at, at 30, I was like right there with them, you know? So yeah. luckily people couldn't tell because again, thanks mom and dad, it's, it's pretty good genetics. You know, I didn't look like I was so much older than everyone else. <laughs> I was the old lady in the class, you know, like, yeah, I'm a sophomore, hey, you know, kind of a thing. But uh, a, a ton of fun and, uh, you know, transitioning into that, going from 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 tennis to Princeton, the problem now, I want to get into like what the issue is with that because it looks like fun and it was great. But the issue when you look back is like, okay, in the world of the WTA, everybody's trying to be number one in the world. Everybody trains so hard. We're all so disciplined and we have these perverse habits, right? Like where, yeah, you're not number one in the world. You suck. Like these kinds of things. Like <laughs> this is, yeah. this is how you grow. Then you take that same thing and you put that into the world of academia. Everybody has to make A's. Everybody needs to be doing at this level. And like every, you know, we've got so much we need to live for and do and be and serve and be great. And that's just like, oh, this is how the world works. Great. You know, you go from the WJR to Princeton. These are niche examples of how communities operate. This is not how the world operates, right? So it kind of exasperated not on, on an academic level or an intellectual level or or more emotional not even intellectual emotional so what went physical emotional went directly emotional and almost you know made some of the habits of like your ocd and like drivenness worse because you yeah. think like cool this is accepted here too let me just continue on these habits as well and you don't realize the emotional toll Right. So taking six classes, you know, um, 
uh, each semester, uh, running and being serving as the president of all these organizations, and then giving myself and working three jobs and all this stuff. Again, there's this there that it's too much. You don't realize, oh, the way you overtrained on the tour is the same thing you're doing here. Okay, are you? F and then these questions Neha and I would have because we crossed, we interlapped on campus also, right? Like she was also went to Princeton. Was she like, why do you feel the need to do so much? Like, what is this all about? Right? And I'm like, I'm exploring. I'm like, I'm learning so much. I'm having so much fun. She's like, are you sleeping? Like, look at yourself. Like, what are you doing? You know? And I'm like, this is the time, right? But it was still the time after I graduated. I still didn't sleep. I still didn't sleep. I still didn't sleep, right? And oh, you you realize like these are bad habits that nobody really curtails. They don't really tell you things like, hey, your health is important. Why they don't tell you that, Scott, is because if they do, that might weaken your perspective on trying to be number one in the world. There is this really horrible thing coaches don't understand or need to understand. No, no, no. Show me how the rest of reality works. Show me that, yes, I need to sacrifice. Show me that it's okay that if you get to top 100, right, and you don't get to number one in the world because it is a means to an end. Nobody says that because, mm -hmm. God forbid, if they mention that, you might not chase being number one in the world hard enough because it might just be acceptable. Instead of saying, no, she really wants it, nothing's going to stop her. Even the fact that she knows that if she doesn't make it, it's still okay because that's going to help her. That balance would have helped me more, right? That's, that's a, if I could get that out to all coaches and parents who are driven, let your children or your students know that balance is so important that it's not going to make them worse. It's not going to Rem like remove their resolve or lessen their belief in something that you all are after together. It'll embolden it because it gives them the value in the process, not just the destination. Oh, that is so important right there. That's a Kobe Bryant line right there. That is uh rest easy Kobe, but that is what he lived by. And, and you know, what's interesting, Sheikah is, you know, in the process, when we talk about athletes getting to the highest level, the process that we have embraced as success has yeah. not really evolved. And, and I think that we're, as athletes are coming out of the process and reflecting back and telling their story, there is a real call to be holistic in the coaching yeah. instead of just narrowed in. Because what, from my experience and hearing yours and Brandy Chastain's and Chuck Yacobi and everyone else we've had on the show, yeah. the process works because there is no emotion. And so we are doing our athletes a disservice by putting them through this process because ultimately you get to the end of that only to find out that you haven't been developing any of the other soft skills that we need in order to transition all the intangibles that you have in order to be successful in the next realm. So, yeah, you yeah. know what? I didn't mean to interrupt you, please. You no, please go. Okay. This is your show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott, it's it's a disservice to the game that you play when you suppress the emotion and the fullness of the person who is the artist in that moment or in that career. If you are suppressing emotion, right, this is, I mean, I don't want to throw in gender studies and all these things in here. Please. But 
how many times all the male coaches, I only ever had male coaches, right? Oh, emotional, so emotional, so emotional. And in my head, I was like, if you were slightly smarter, you would tell me how to use that emotion and harness it to bring out the rest of me, you know, to the court. Because if human beings is USP, is the emotion and the layers upon layers of nuanced emotion that we have, how is that not a form of creative energy? How is that not something that I've been told, should have been told to use, bring it, experience it, get angry, get emotional, get happy, go out, dance, show joy. You are an artist. As an athlete, you, there is art in that. And if you don't tap into your creative source, which manifests as emotion and comes out in that way, and you don't know how to channel that, that is like 80% of the person not showing up into life, forget on the court, right? Now, Sheikah, I'm going to interrupt you because you know what's really interesting is yeah. that emotion doesn't go anywhere. It's still there. And yeah. so what's unfortunate is that we train ourselves to be robots almost to get to this proverbial idea of success. And then we have no outlet for those emotions. So mm -hmm. when we, we take what could be mental health and it turns to mental illness because we don't have the tools, we don't have, we're not taught breathing mechanisms to go ahead and release these emotions or embrace these emotions. We're trying to be somebody that we're not. And, and I, that's where I am so fascinated with you, where you were able to take that mentality and transform it into something very positive. Now there was some bumps on the road and I see you biting your tongue, but there yeah. was some bumps on the road, but but you got there. And so, and so I'm just really curious. I have one point in question yeah. and then we're gonna sort of pivot away from this. But if you could go back to 19, 20, 21 year old Chica and shed some advice or perspective from where you're at right now, what would you tell yourself in order to accelerate that process? Dance. I would tell myself to dance. Dance for me is like the marriage of creative force, intuitive energy, and physicality all in one. And I've only understood that now because it was the medium that I had to use to express because I didn't know how to even acknowledge an emotion, articulate what I'm feeling, but just move my body because that was my form of communication, right? This physical body became everything for me, the product, the process, <laughs> the end result, as well as how I communicated. And so dance is like so critical. Uh, it was so critical to my transition. I'm not formally trained in anything. I can dance, you know, <laughs> have a great time. But that joy that I get in that dancing was something that I was hoping to get on, or I used to get as a little girl playing tennis. And then when you layer and you suppress these emotions, you put these, this concrete down on it, it's gonna burst through, as you said, it's gonna come out some form or the other. But my God, I wonder if top 100 could be a very different number today if I had known to dance, right? And wow. let it all out, right? Wow. 
We talk about leaving a legacy and going and having enough bandwidth, you know, to when this is the way I define success, Sheik, is having enough bandwidth to reach one and teach one. And so you, my friend, might not get the chance to go back into the, you know, WTA 100, but I can guarantee that the way that you're making an impact on the world, your legacy will help the next future woman coming out of India, America, wherever that may be to be a little more balanced on their journey. And I think that my friend is what this is all about because work-life balance is a real thing and we are human beings first and then we have all the accolades behind us. So um, that's really interesting dance though because it is just a perfect marriage of everything we're talking about. So for all you listeners out there at this point, get up, stand up, move your arms around, dance a little bit because that's what. <laughs> I was dancing to you when, you when we came in. I was like starting to move. I was like, yeah, this is nice because you have a nice song at the beginning of the, of the show. So I was like, yeah. dancing. I was like, oh, okay, got to be ready now. <laughs> but I might have been caught dancing. <laughs> Big shout out to my producer, Chris Kane, founder or co-founder of Czech. Uh, he's the one, the Thanks, magic Chris. behind the scenes there. Yeah. Um, well, this is awesome. So, so now we're at the point of the journey where we're going to go sort of forward facing, right? We heard okay. about your journey across the world. We heard about, you know, glimpses of the WTA. Let's talk about indie, right? So, yeah. you know, the path to indie came from the real deal. Would love for you to shed a little light on what that was like building and scaling that in India and then yeah. how that has helped you on your journey as president of indie right now. Yeah, sure. So, you know, getting to india from campus if you want to talk about like learn the reality of life you know like you literally like just you know cross like this is the the correct gesture yeah. <laughs> bumping in like yes princeton and, and tennis and like running around and doing all these things so aggressively and like you know losing yourself into all of that because that's how you think the world works india just humbles you so much so i go to india because wrote my thesis, had these six documentary films I made. I'm going to launch this show that I've created that I want for the country and to scale beyond in India, right? I got this fantastic meeting with Lionsgate here in the US and I was like, well, well, if they want the show, excuse me, wait, I'm going to India first and I'll be back, you know? <laughs> so I go to India and I'm like, yeah, so this is the best show here. Let's do this. They're like, what? How do you pronounce social entrepreneurship? Like what, what's impacting that? <laughs> Why don't you come back with a couple of million dollars and then we'll talk? And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, what does this mean? You know, like, how is this happening? Nobody's gonna respond to emails for a month and you're chasing people. I'm like, where's everybody's discipline? How can they be so undisciplined? They're showing up 15 minutes late for meetings. What is this? And why is everybody drinking so much coffee around here? <laughs> <laughs> It's literally like an alien, like coming into this planet. Like, this is not, you know, from tennis to Princeton is not how the world works at all. They don't. Everybody's trying to move their, you know, move their dollar for the next day. Like, trying to eat, trying to get their work done, and do what makes them feel okay in life, right? Yeah. And that was so eye-opening. That India taught me patience. India taught me to slow down. India taught me, it's okay. Hey, you got to eat a great meal today. And that's great. Life is happy. Life is good. That's all you need. You don't need to be number one in the world. You don't have to put on the best TV show in the world. You don't know. The world is so, like, real life, like you were saying at the beginning of the show, it's like, goes like this. 
And it's on one hand, you want to make that valuable, but not to the point where you push yourself to that's all you see and you don't, you can't even look at the green around you and enjoy a cup of coffee with a friend, right? So India taught me that alongside my husband because it's yeah. just like, whoa. Small <laughs> 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 anecdotes because I had like, every minute of my day like scheduled out and I'm like excuse me just a second like during our dates like that's how I was like hold on a second he <laughs> picked that thing up once and just threw it he's like listen this is not gonna work like, just gotta go, go. <laughs> gotta go. so can we just talk and I'm like right okay sure I mean this is this is the downside it's funny but it's also like emotionally straining because you have to work all that you have to work through like getting rid of all that stuff so India India was is was great in that part of my life. Eventually, did get the show on. Took me six years from thought from that El Paso match all the way to slot. You know, in twenty sixteen, the show went on, and uh, got married in that time. You know, and Indy got to co-found. Indy also side by side with that in, in India and going to meetings and selling again, business development, building, taking on employees, like making sure. My management, my values internally were aligned because now you have people's lives dependent on your behaviors, your culture, your values. Because if you're okay to work 24 hours a day, you can't expect that on everybody else. That is unhealthy. And sure enough, people start falling sick. And you're not a tennis coach telling them, move your feet, you know, get going. They don't need that. They're human beings they haven't played professional then learning all of that and unlearning what i needed to was like so informative so coming back to the us i'm a lot more prepared (laughs) (laughs) to understand how business works right from a professional standpoint more than that how people work what motivates them what they need and what i need right Mm -hmm. like this whole thing is about everybody else and this whole thing is about how do you get to number one in the world and how do we make everybody happy and what do i need right to build myself why do i have to focus on me because i'm leading people i'm my expression is coming into an app that's going to be in everybody's hands that's a that's a form of communication that i'm a part of what do i want people to feel and see and believe about themselves in an app if i'm not set it that's that's unprofessional right yeah so, so this has kind of been the uh, the journey that i've that i've had you know moving you know from princeton and bringing it all together and learning so much uh along the way it's incredible learning yeah. well and and it all reflects in the indie app what you guys are doing um you know it's really sort of changing the way and giving the consumer the control again right and i think that is just so incredible the first onset of the the tech sphere the social sphere um we're, yes. we're slowly finding out how bad and how non-productive it is for the general consumer and so yes. indie it seems like is coming in and really going against the grain and shaking that up is that right that's right let me actually answer your question what's happening scott is that it's very rare that i have conversations with people that can really understand the behind and the layer behind the athlete right 
So I'm getting so caught up in the whole athletic parts of your question <laughs> that I'm forgetting to answer your actual question. So hey. forgive me. It's all like bursting out. So I'm like, oh, I just realized I didn't answer your question. So again, so um, subtle plug. There will be a part two for this. We will have Sheikah back on. That is just going to be. <laughs> just let that be known right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. And so. With Indie, what we're doing here in, in our app is, you're right, monetization for every individual, okay? We've got five different ways of monetization from the largest, easiest concept of cashback, right? You shop, you get cashback. The second one is more around tag products that are in your content or share the product links that you genuinely love and earn commissions whenever somebody purchases from those product links. So. I need to tell you that we believe we have the third largest catalog um, in the country with over 80 million products and 2,000 retailers. This is thanks to the founders who are e-commerce veterans, right? They've built such a massive catalog, not to make direct sales, but to empower everybody, to empower every single person to say, you know what, I actually genuinely love that Nike hat. I love my earrings. I'm going to tag them in my post, or I'm going to just share the link of them because a friend wants to know where I got them because I made this referral, I'm going to earn a commission should they buy, right? So these links take people directly to the product, straight to the product, straight to checkout. So it's like, boom, grab, go. And our dashboard shows you how much commission you made and things like that. So you get a breakdown. Now, the third, fourth, and fifth feature are really close to home to me because this is the whole thing around athletes and what they need, experts and what they need, transitioning athletes and what they need. What the third feature is about is very simple at first on, on top level, right? You create video content for now up to 10 minutes and charge for it. Why this is so personal to me is that, you know, I want to create fitness, tennis specific fitness videos or it's nuanced focus, you know, what it's like in my head at 40, 30, 4, 3, 30, 40, you know, and I know that that's valuable secret, like information. I would be very happy to charge a couple bucks for. And I know people who want that, need that, could pay for that, right? Mm. And this doesn't stop just at me or an athlete. This goes forward for a math tutor or a musician or an entrepreneur that has some advice, right? Charge for videos where you have some expertise that you should be paid for your time for making them. That's number three. The fourth one, is like, I think this is the USP one, like this is the most special one. So the fourth one here is, it's called check it, where somebody responds, where somebody reaches out to me, and this happens to me all the time. Hey, can you check out my son's forehand? It's going out and he's been losing a lot of matches as a result. I get the video of a forehand and I respond back with a video and I'm like, here you go, sure, no problem, anytime this happens over and over. I'm busy. I've worked hard to like build that capital in my life and it would be really nice if i got a dollar for it or two or three you know for my time and i could probably do it a lot more often because it's like great i could buy something with that money or i could give it to charity or do something with that right and this is not just me this happens to so many athletes i know where they're asked all the time for a review or for advice and they're just kind of doing it for free but wish that they could charge for that because it's a form of coaching and so that's the two-way video back and forth, personalized tutoring, if you will. Mm. And the last and final one is 
same thing with celebrity shout outs. So this is the one I wish I had when I was a little famous you know, in India, where I could reach out and say, good luck in your tournament, little George, or whoever it is, you know, that's reaching out to me for an autograph. Now, obviously, there's so many celebrities in the world that could benefit from uh, from that feature as well. So these are the five models to help people monetize going from large all the way down to you know, a little bit more nuanced. But the idea is to build where everybody can be their own brand. Everybody can be their own micro entrepreneur. And that's what the empower, the self-empowerment effort is uh, in the app. I want people to make more money during COVID especially. Um, and I think people are resonating with that. The app moved to number eight in the app store. Like overnight, we got, to, yeah, 60,000 um, app downloads just like within like three or four days. That was incredible. There is a need for this right now. So the more we can help people monetize, the better. So that's the Incredible. app. Yo, and, and so, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to post all the information for Indy um, so that, you know, all the all of our listeners can go ahead and get on the bandwagon because we are seeing a major paradigm shift. And Chica, I have to tell you as a consumer, as a fellow athlete, um, and just as a human, it is really encouraging that someone like yourself and your experience is at the reins of shaping the next wave of what social consumption is going to look like through these platforms and building brands that will follow you and leverage the content and our IP instead of just giving them out into the ether and right. hoping that something trickles back to us. So you yeah. guys are cracking the code over there at Indy. Um, we're winding down here. We have a couple minutes left. So before we share your information on how people to get in touch with you, um, yeah. we have one question that we've been asking all of our guests. Sure. So Sheikha, if you could share one thing that you've done in your life that you would recommend our listeners do or experience in theirs, what would that be and why? If I could tell the world to operate from a place of gratitude every day, starting with just thinking with one thing you're grateful for, you know, the, the world would be at peace with itself. And I think what would happen is that people would begin to flower their own intuitive understanding, right? And this concept and real authentic feeling of a oneness that we all have with each other. Hmm. And I think the source of that is gratitude. And it's a cognitive exercise that slowly builds internally and moves into a substrata of our being as it flowers in you, right? And the cognitive exercise is just saying one thing you're grateful for out loud. Every morning, mm -hmm. once a week, once a month, whatever is comfortable for you. But I, I firmly believe that Every person can make a difference in this world. A big Ooh. difference, a big uh, difference, not just a small one, but a big one, right? And, and if it's not, that understanding is not known to somebody at this present moment, start with gratitude because you're gonna go so far on gratitude. Boom. That's what I would share. 
So this has been an incredible episode. Shika, I have taken two things from you through this whole time. You have the mindset of a champion. And if we're able to balance that with the attitude of gratitude, that to me seems like the modern version of success. And this has been an incredible now 55 minutes of you just sharing your journey. Um, this is just the first of a couple episodes. Uh, we're going to dangle the carrot because we're going to have another guest come on. That would be Sheikah's sister. Um, yeah. So we're going to be able to hear the journey from the both of them. Um, and she's doing some amazing things in the mental health space. So really looking forward to checking back in with you guys. Um, Sheikah, as we wind down, we want to make sure that all of our listeners are able to connect, learn about Indy, um, follow your journey. Where can they find you on social so they can do that? Sure. So I'm the best on LinkedIn. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also pretty good on Facebook. Um, and then, of course, you know, IndyIndi.com. I definitely end up answering most of the emails. So <laughs> you can also find me in the info ads, believe it or not. I don't know if I should have said that publicly, but <laughs> replying back. <laughs> awesome. That's that's a true entrepreneur right there. Um, Sheikah from Czech, from Checkpoint and Scott Garber, thank you so much for coming on, being vulnerable, telling your story. It's going to make an impact far beyond anything that you've done on the court. And for that, we appreciate you. And for all you listeners, until next time, be sure to check yourself. Sheikah.